All right, everybody, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? I am excited to be in the house of the Lord. Welcome to Metro Praise International Church. If we can all please stand as we get ready to get in the presence of the Lord this morning. We want to thank you all for joining us, to coming this morning and uh, be part of what God is doing here at MPI Church. I'm Pastor Berta, one of the pastors here on staff. We like to start out every morning with a testimony. This morning we got our brother Vinny. A one and only testify. Let's give him a hand. Hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, so, uh, for today, I just want to uh, tell you guys what God's been doing in my life lately. Uh, I would say for about the past year, uh, I I had a job and uh, I was I'm working at this carpet cleaning company and um, just uh, there was a time where I just started getting all these other uh, offers. Uh, you know, for jobs that pay more and so on and so forth. And it wasn't necessarily things that I really, I was at a place where I really liked. I liked being there and uh, these other opportunities weren't uh, as attractive, but the pay was better. So I was like, okay, let, let, well, let's see what to do. I was just praying and uh, asking for the Lord's guidance. And, uh, um, you know, he, uh, at the end of the day, when I was reading through the word, he just brought me to um, the place where uh, I, pretty much just wasn't looking for, it wasn't about money. It's like, do not do not focus on uh, on the money. Let me take care of you. So uh, I stood where, one, I liked my job, and, and I actually got uh, to a position where I, um, I, you know, now I'm managing things, so on and so forth. So the Lord just uh, really took care of me. And um, as far as the pay is concerned, I'm, I'm thinking, like, I want to take my family to a house, so on and so forth. And uh, within a year's time, the Lord has blessed me. We just moved into a house yesterday. And uh, so th through, it, through it all, the Lord has just taken care of us. The verse I want to share with you is Jeremiah 17, uh, 7 uh, through, it's just 7 and 8. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. It le its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Let's pray. Lord God, we just want to honor you today, Lord God, and just uh, in our lives, Lord, just give you our trust in everything, Lord, Father. As we just worship you today, Lord God, may, may we just be reminded, Lord God, of all the good things you've already given us, Lord God. Be content, Father, with what you have given us, Lord God, and know that you are, uh, you are uh, you're in your hands, Lord God, and you will bless us, Lord God, in, a, in, in many ways, not just financially, Lord God, but at the end of the day, no matter what's going on, Lord God, we give you our trust and we give you our worship, Lord God, and we, and we just praise your name. Amen. Are you ready to worship Jesus?
For my champion's not dead, he is alive. And he already knows my every need. We surely will come and rescue me. Come on, let's sing that again. Let faith arise. Every voice. Let faith arise in spite of what I see. In spite of what I see, Lord, I, oh, I choose to help my unbelief. I choose to trust, we trust you, Lord. No matter what I feel, let faith arise. Come on, let faith arise. Let faith arise. For my champion's not dead, he is alive. Oh, and he already knows my every need. But surely he will come and rescue me. God, oh, here we go. We say, this place.
Right now in your own words, let's just worship the Lord here. Come as the band plays, I want you to sing your own song. As he's worthy of it all. Jesus, you're worthy. Jesus this morning. Come on, keep on pressing in. Worship your King today. Come on. your hands all across this room. He is worthy today. For from you are all things. To you are all things. Yes, you do, Jesus. Come on, let's sing that one more time. He's worthy of it all. Keep your hands lifted high. He's worthy of your life. He's worthy of your marriage. He is worthy of your life surrendered to him. He is worthy of our children. Come on, he gets it all. He gets all of our praise, all of our adoration, all of our love. Hallelujah, Jesus, you deserve the glory in this place today. Come on, saints, lift up your voices. We serve an awesome God. We serve an amazing God and there is no one like him. How many of you guys know that we need revival in our land today? We need revival and I want us to sing that chorus from the previous song. I want you to think about our city. I want you to think about our nation. We need the revival of the Holy Ghost to touch our land. And I want you to think about where you are in your life right now. And I want to open up these altars. If you want to come, I want the fire of God to fall down today. So if you're hungry, if you need a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit, I want you to come. Because we want to call down fire from heaven. We need revival. Some of you guys need revival in your hearts. Some of you need revival in your marriages. We know we need revival in this land. We want to see revival. It means we as the people of God have to seek after Jesus. We must fall on our faces, get down on our knees and say, Jesus, come. Jesus, come because I'm hungry and this world has nothing for me. Come on, let's sing this out. We need your revival, oh God. We're hungry. Holy Spirit, fire, burning ever Falling, hear your people calling. 
we sing it over our, our city we sing this over our marriages we sing it over our children over our youth we sing it over our high schools come on over every college campus today tell God what your miracle is come on if you speak in tongues if you're baptized in the Holy Ghost I want you to lift up your voices let's fill this place with the tongues of heaven if you need a miracle I want you to call it out heaven has come to earth there is healing there are signs wonders and miracles that can happen right now in your life come on we need a miracle god in our families for salvation we need a miracle oh god of healing in our bodies we need a miracle oh god in our marriage today we need a miracle in our finances come on what is it today that you need Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you that we can come before your throne of grace. There is grace for you today, my friend. The Bible says that his grace is sufficient for your need. Any need that you have today, his grace is sufficient because his power is made perfect in your weakness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ooh. How many of you guys know heaven has come to earth? Come on, we're not done. It's not over yet. Come on, Holy Spirit, have your way. Jesus, we love you. We've never been more closer to heaven than we are right now, guys. Soak it in. You've come to church this morning, not out of a religious obligation, but to experience the living God. Don't let this opportunity pass you by. Let's soak it in today. Come on. We're going to sing this new prophetic song. I want it to go down deep into your spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Never been closer to heaven than I am right now. Come on, lift up your hands all across this room. Heaven than I am right now. 
some of you guys need this moment there's a breakthrough happening there's gonna be a breakthrough in some of your lives today come on if you want breakthrough if you need deliverance is yours today right now take it Jesus, we thank you so much. Our champion is not dead. He is alive. Woo! Lord, you are our champion. And we know that you are alive and well today. And we give you all the glory and all the power that is due your name. Lord, we want to give you room, Holy Spirit, to speak. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit here at MPI. We believe that God is always wanting to talk to us. We don't want to get so loud that we overpass what he wants to do or get so much hype. We always want to give room for the Holy Spirit to have his kind of way. So we're going to open up the platform right now. Holy Spirit, move. Let the gifts flow this morning. Speak, Lord, because your servants are listening. Hallelujah. Let that soak in. That was for some of you guys today. Come on. He's called you to be comforted in him. We are not hopeless in this world. Our comfort is in the Lord. Our peace comes from the Lord. Our world may seem like it's in chaos, but God is not falling off of his throne. Come on, Jesus. We love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you are the Prince of Peace in our life. You are the Prince of Peace that rules and reigns in justice and in sovereignty. And we worship you today. We give you all the glory, all the praise, and all the glory that is to your name. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. We serve a good, good God. As you find your way back to your seat, you guys can greet your neighbor as you find your way back to your seat. Praise God. Don't you guys just love the presence of the Holy Ghost? You know, you could have that every day. It's not just when you come here. It's also when you come here because we get to all be together. The Bible says where two or three are gathered together in his name, he is in the midst. 
but he's also in our midst when we're alone in our room. Make time to be in the presence of God every day, church. Today's the first Sunday of the month. This is our communion Sunday. So in just a few moments, we're going to be partaking of communion together. The ushers can be released right now to pass out the elements, please. Thank you for joining us at Metro Praise International. We love the presence of God here. We love the gifts of the Spirit. We would have it no other way. So if it was new to you, welcome. We welcome you here. And this is what you will keep on getting and then some. Amen. Before we get into the communion today, I'm going to preach the gospel to you. The reason why we like to preach the gospel every Sunday is so that those who don't know Jesus or the ones who know about him but are not living for him can have the opportunity to get right with God. And especially on communion Sunday, the Bible teaches us to not partake of communion in an unworthy manner. So you want to make sure that your life is right with God before you partake of this with the body of Christ. So I'm going to be preaching to you from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. He has saved us and called us to a holy life. Somebody say holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. The grace of God has been laid upon us before the beginning of time. And he called you and he called me, not because of any righteous thing we have done. Because we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And we, we deserve hell and damnation. But because of his grace, somebody say grace. From before the beginning of time, he called us by his own purpose and grace. For his glory. So that we could live holy lives. So that we could be saved. How many of you guys are saved and sanctified in this room today? For those of you who are not so sure or you've never been born again, I want to give you the opportunity today at this moment to get right with God. You're not promised tomorrow. The Bible says today is a day for salvation. Get right with God today. Be born again. Repent of your sins. Turn from your wicked ways. And you may say to yourself, well, how in the world can I be wicked? I've never murdered anybody. One sin is not bigger or less than another one. The Bible says to hate somebody in your heart is just like the sin of murder. And without Jesus, we all have had hatred in our heart. And that's wickedness before God. So with all eyes closed all across this room, I want to give you an opportunity for those who have never been born again. Jesus is not your master. He is not Lord of your life. His grace has not been invited into your life. You have not let him take control. You have not surrendered. This message is for you, and today is your day. Today is the day for your spiritual birthday. So as I begin to pray, I want you to come into agreement with this prayer and get right with God. Jesus, we love you. We thank you that from the beginning of time, your grace was poured out on all creation. And I pray, Lord God, that Every single person in this room would be saved and live a holy life for your purpose and for your glory. And I ask, oh Lord, that they would repent today if they're not right with you so that they could be born again. They can't do anything to earn it, but just come and confess you as Lord and master of their life. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen and amen. Please stand up to your feet with me this morning as we prepare to take communion together as church family.
if you agreed with that prayer and you really mean business with God and you know that he's calling your name, he's knocking on the door of your heart. The Bible says he knocks on the door of our heart and if we open the door and let him in, he'll come in. So after this communion time, during the fellowship, when we start hanging out, we're going to have two prayer workers up here at the front. I want to encourage you to come. They're actually coming right now. Joselito and Bertha. I want to encourage you to come and receive prayer. The reason why we take communion once a month together is because this is an ordinance that we practice in the church. Communion is an ordinance that we practice. And we do it to remember what Jesus did for us on the cross for our sins. So we're going to pray for the wafer. Lord, we thank you for your body that was beaten and bruised. This wafer represents your body. Lord, you did not hold yourself back, but you gave yourself freely. The perfect, spotless Lamb of God, given for the sins of the world. We thank you for your body that was beaten, that was whipped, that was nailed to the cross. For our transgressions, for our sin, for our iniquity, for our rebellion, oh God. We thank you. We partake of the wafer to get today in remembrance of you. Let's partake of the wafer. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let's lift up the grape juice. This represents the blood of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your blood that washes us clean, white like snow. Our sins are taken as far as the east is from the west. Never to be remembered again, never to meet again. We are covered by the blood of Jesus, and your blood is so precious. There is nothing like the blood of Jesus, nothing but the blood of Jesus that could wash us clean. And we thank you for this blood. We thank you, O oh God, that when you died on the cross, you died for our sicknesses, our sorrows, and for our sin. And we give you all the glory and thanks today in Jesus' name. Let's partake of the grape juice. The band is going to lead us in a song as the ushers come to collect the remainder of these elements. Let's focus our attention on the Lord one more time together in worship. He is worthy of our praise. There's nothing but the blood of Jesus. Come on, he is worthy. Come on, if he deserves the glory in your life, I want you to sing it out. Lift up your hands. He is worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy. King of kings and Lord of lords. The Prince of Peace. Come on. For from you are all things, to you are all things, you deserve the glory. On every voice, you are worthy of it all. You worthy of it all. You worthy of it all. For from you to you are all things you deserve the glory hallelujah jesus we thank you god for your presence and we thank you O lord for the word that's going to come forth in just a few moments be exalted be exalted be exalted today in our lives in jesus name give the lord a hand clap of praise one more time today amen we serve a good good god we're going to confess our confession of faith together.
This is our Christian worldview. That's why we say it every week. This is the lens in which we see the world around us. So if you're ready, let's do it on the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world. The Son who purchased my salvation and his death, burial, and resurrection. And the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. In the second coming of Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Give it up for Jesus. Spend some time fellowshipping. Greet somebody. Give somebody a hug. And come up for prayer if you need prayer today.
All right. Welcome, everybody, to Metro Praise International. Look to your neighbor. Give them a high five. Come on. Don't be shy. Give them a high five. Look to, the, to your other neighbors. Say, it's so good to have you here. We want to welcome all of our first-time visitors. Thank you for joining us at MPI. It's wonderful to have you with us. Our services here are every Sundays at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. This is our family service. So if, you, if you have children, we have King's Kids in the back for them, uh, ranging from ages infant to 11 years old. We have awesome children's workers back there learning about, they learn about Jesus, and it's just an awesome time for the young ones. And then we have Elevate. Fridays at 7 p.m. How many of you guys were here last Sunday when Elevate ran all of the service? Come on, let's give it up for them. They did awesome. That was weak. Give it up for them. Come on. They did better than that. They did so good. So we just want to publicly thank them in front of you. They ran both the 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. service. They did such an awesome job. And so if you know any young people that are in the ages from 11 to 18, you want them to be here on Friday nights. Elevate is the place to be on Friday nights at 7 p.m. We have our next, or this month rather, our uh, month's outreach to close out the soul winning summer. Somebody say, ah, but then say, ah, because it's gonna be God's presence and his presence. You guys see that spin on words? God's presence and his presence for both services. So to close out our soul winning summer, for October, it's going to be a service of worship and prayer in between the preaching. So we really want you guys to invite your family and friends, those who really have a need, who you know need Jesus, first of all. But we're going to be praying for healing and deliverance and just the power of God for all of you here and then everybody else who needs it. So uh, mark your calendars the last Sunday of this month for our last month of the soul winning summer, October 30th, 10 a.m. and 1 p.m., God's presence and his presence. So invite your friends and family. We have all the flyers, everything being passed out to you. We want to end with the bang. This whole summer and season has all been all about preaching the gospel, seeing the lost saved and disciples made. That has been the goal. We've been creative of how we're going to do it. And so this is our time to give that final push. Doesn't mean it's over, right? Doesn't mean we stop telling people about Jesus. But we just really want people to be here for that powerful service. And I want all of us to be in prayer leading up to that to come expecting. Okay? If you expect little from God, what do you think you're going to get in return? Little. Say itsy bitsy. Okay, so if you expect itsy bitsy, that's what you're going to get. But if you come expecting God to do awesome things, God is going to move in a mighty way. So let's get into our vision for, uh, for these announcements. Metro Praise has a vision, a strategy, and a goal. Our vision is loving God and loving people. Our strategy is to connect you, mentor you, and to send you out. We connect you through our life groups. We mentor you through a one-on-one -on -one process in classroom setting as well through our 101 and 201 books. And then we send you out to do evangelism because we believe we must keep preaching to the lost and dying world around us. It can't end with us. It starts with us and then it continues through you. And then our goal through doing that is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches here in this city and 500 around the world. Look to your neighbor, say, let's do it. Look to your other neighbor, say, get connected. Here's a slide for our new quarter of life group. Say, yeah, who's excited? Come on, new quarter. This is the end of 2016. Can you believe it? This year is almost done. So October, November, and December, this is a schedule of life groups. Look at your handout. 
get familiar with uh, some of the changes that have been made. Most of the life groups are still the same, so you don't have to make any switches if you're comfortable with where you're at. But if you have not connected somewhere, I really want to encourage you guys to do so in this season because it will change your life. Get connected. So we have a video for you because the leaders want to introduce themselves, let you know what type of life group they're having. So in just a couple seconds here, they're going to play it. Come on, enjoy the video. What's up, Metro Praise International? We're so excited about our new quarter of life groups for October, November, and December. I would encourage everybody to get connected with their family, join a life group. Let's close out 2016 with a bang. You know, everybody likes to hibernate in Chicago winters, but don't let the winter get you down. Come out your house, have some fun, fellowship with us. We'll see you at life group. Hi everyone, I'm Pastor Bernard along with my wife Cassell. We want to invite everyone from the ages of 18 and over to our Bible study. It takes place every Friday at 7 p.m. Where we have a time of worship, word, and fellowship. We also have childcare provided, so come on out, check out our Facebook page. We can't wait to see you there. Hi everyone, we want to invite all the families to come out on Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. for Royal Ranger and Impact. It's our Boys and Girls Club for children who are newborn up to 11 years old. What's up everybody, my name is Lawrence, I'm one of the co-leaders of the Resistance Youth Life Group. We meet up uh, every first and third Tuesday right here at the church at 6 p.m. We have an awesome time of going into God's Word, worship, all that great stuff. So we want to see you there. It's lit. You have to be there. Show up. Awesome. Hey everyone, I'm Yuli here. This is my wife Ashley. We welcome ages 11 to 18 to the Ambassadors Life Group every first and third Saturday here at the church. Come join us for a great time of fellowship, a good word, and just a great time for you to learn about Jesus. Come on out. Hi, my name is Lauren Sienski. This is Cynthia Rodan, and we are the leaders of the Single Moms Life Group. We meet twice a month on Sundays at 5.30 here at the church. We hope to see you there. Check us out on Facebook. Childcare is always provided. Hey everyone, my name is Ricky. This is my wife, Rachel, and we lead the Marriage Life Group once a month here at the church at 5 p.m. And this next quarter, we're going to talk about practical ways to keep your marriage healthy. We're going to close out the year with a romantical Christmas party. You don't want to miss it. Come bring your kids. It's going to be a good time. Hey, what's up, everybody? Rudy Salt here with the Evangelism Life Group. We meet every Saturday at 5 o'clock. We want you to come out and join us and share your faith. We're fulfilling the Great Commission, so we want to see you there. What's up everyone, I'm Yuli. I want to invite everyone from ages 18 and up to join me at Gain Outreach. We meet here at the church weekly on Thursdays at 7 p.m. Join me for a great time to reach souls out in these streets that will change your life and it changes people's lives too. What's up Metro Praise? We are pastors Tony and Jerry Vivid. Come join us Friday nights at 7 p.m. at our house for Bible study. Yeah, this quarter we have something really special. We're doing a men and women study, so join us on Fridays. See you then. Hi, I'm Ashley and this is Lawrence and we lead in Collin Night Life Group. We meet every last week of the month here at the church at 7 p.m. We're excited to announce for this next quarter we're going to be having an extended time of worship. We're going to be going deep in God's presence. We encourage you all come out experience God in a new way. I'll give it up. Give it up for all the awesome leaders. I just wanted to say, uh, take some time to say thank you to all of these awesome life group leaders. How many of you guys are so thankful for them being in your life, opening up their homes or coming here? They do so awesome. They do it in excellence. And so we just want to take time to thank them. And you guys can individually thank them for being in your life as well. Uh, here's a slide for the snapshot of what's happening for this week. So as you guys look at the schedule for the quarter, here's what's happening kicking off this week for Tuesday. So Tuesday we have the Resistance Life Group. 11 to 18 years old, they meet here at the church at 6 p.m. Wednesday, we have King's Kids here at the church at 6.30.
Boys Club and Girls Clubs, uh, Royal Rangers Impact, awesome ministry. It's blowing up. So you want your children to be a part of that ministry on Wednesdays. Don't let them miss out. Thursdays are gang outreach every week, hitting the streets, preaching the gospel, specifically looking for gang bangers in this neighborhood. Okay, powerful, powerful ministry. If you are on Facebook, you will see some of the live video feeds that they are doing, some of the pictures they are taking. God is on the move in our city in them and through them and you should want to be a part of that it's powerful and then every friday we have the Govea's bible study in the vivids this week 7 p.m be there get encouraged get revitalized throughout your week and bring a friend with you from work just say hey come to my come to my friend's house we're gonna have a bible study most people would probably be open to that right how many of you guys have friends that would probably be open to bible study if you don't know then you've never asked them so look to your neighbor say ask them next time okay invite somebody don't come alone to your life groups now it's time to get mentored, okay? When you get connected, we also want you to get mentored. We have leaders ready to take you through the 101 book called Welcome to Your New Life. This book is done one-on-one -on -one with the leader that you choose, you know, that you're getting comfortable with or building a relationship with, and it's done based on your schedules. And then when you graduate the 101, You'll get into the 201 class, Disciples That Make Disciples, where we train you to be a leader in the church, so that you could be ordained as a deacon or an elder one day to fulfill all that God has called you to fulfill in your life for his glory and his purpose. Then we want to send you out. Somebody say send. We want to send you out to do evangelism. Every Saturday from 5 to 8, we hit the streets, preaching the gospel, different neighborhoods throughout, the Chica uh, throughout Chicago. So meet here at 5 and just get out there and do it. If you've never done it, it will change your life. It will truly, truly refresh you and really bring you closer to your walk with God. So in recap, we have a vision, a strategy, and a goal. A vision of loving God and loving people. A strategy to what? connect, mentor, and send, and a goal of 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches here and 500 around the world. Let's get a hallelujah for the Lord. Come on, so much excitement, so much stuff going on. God is so good. How many of you guys ready to give your tithes and offerings today? Come on. God has been faithful. God has been so faithful, and you guys are such generous people. We believe here at MPI that the Bible teaches a tithe is 10% of our total income given to the church regularly, and an offering is an amount above the tithe that God puts in your heart to give, which we designate towards missions and towards building fund throughout the year. So let's get into our lesson. You could find it on our Facebook page, Metro Praise International Facebook page, The Disciples Giving Book, Section 3, Lesson 12. We're almost at the end of the book. Section 12, stewards should be, I mean, lesson 12, stewards should be debt-free. Somebody say debt-free. Debt How many of you guys would like to be debt-free? Come on. It may not be too late for some of you to not get into debt. So if you're young enough, don't get into debt. Do it smart now. And then if you are in debt, here are some good nuggets you're going to walk away from and trust God to get your finances in order. The definition of stewardship is the wise management of everything God has entrusted us with. We're going to be reading from Romans chapter 13, verse 8. Romans chapter 13, verse 8. Let no debt remain outstanding except for the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Here are the three main points from that passage of scripture. Number one, no debt remain outstanding. Though there are times when Christians may get loans for cars, houses, and their businesses, which is good debt, they should always pay the debt on time and set the goal to pay it off completely which means we have to be wise managers, right? Responsible with what we're doing in our life. Number two, no debt. Ideally, the Christian should pay off all their credit card debt monthly and live interest-free. 
because their income and savings provides for everything they need. Otherwise, they may become a slave to the lender, which is considered bad debt. Proverbs 22, 7. Let's not become slave to what, who we're borrowing from, okay? We are slaves of Christ. That's it. And he has made us free. So we don't want to be in debt in this life. There's good debt, which you can pay off in a responsible manner. But the bad debt, be responsible with that too. And don't get ensnared in it. Be responsible. If you need help, we have great financial advisors in the church. People who have been doing it for a long time. Not like professional advisors, but you know, people that you could go to for wisdom. Some of the elders here. And we'll love to help you. Amen. Number three, always pay the debt of love. Instead of just focusing on paying back debt every month, stewards should aim to be debt-free and able to focus on paying the debt of love to their fellow man. Imagine how much charitable work God's people could do just off the interest they would save living debt-free. That's powerful. The interest that we would save if you did not live in debt could be given to something else, to be given to charitable events uh, charitable, uh, you know, as a charitable donation. So let's continue to have that debt of love that we owe to everybody, but not be in debt in our finances. Summary, avoid bad debt and pay off good debt in a responsible way. Here are three ways you could apply it. Number one, be faithful in giving your tithes, 10% of your total income and offerings, anything you give after your tithes. Number two, be wise in how you acquire debt for things such as your house, your car, and your business. Use wisdom in everything. God will give it to you if you ask. And number three, avoid bad debt in the form of high interest credit cards so you can live a generous life of love. Somebody say love. All right, let's confess this together on the count of three. One, two, three. God has called us to be managers that are committed to stewarding whatever gifts we have received from him. We are to be wise, fruitful, faithful, trustworthy, multiplying, and shrewd stewards, living debt-free and generous lives, providing an inheritance and grandchildren. Please stand up to your feet with me as we prepare to give the Lord our best our tithes and our offerings. Again, a tithe is 10% of our total income, an offering we designate towards missions and towards building. And that's an amount between you and the Lord that you, uh, that God puts on your heart to give generously with a cheerful heart. Here are four ways you could give at MPI. Number one, in the bucket during the offering. Number two, in the wall-mounted drop boxes. Number three, in the back with a credit or debit card. You could see me or Pastor Griselda today. And number four, you could go online and use Chase Quick Pay, PayPal, or Bill Pay at mpichurch.org forward slash giving. Very easy, convenient to use. Here's an announcement for our soul winning summer. It is done. Give it up for Jesus. I got to turn around because I can't see. We raised in the month of September $3,137. That is a lot of money for one month, guys. So grand total of $10,298. Come on, give it up one more time. If you didn't notice, what was our goal? 8,000. So we went over. You guys went over. We as a church went over. We were generous. God did it. And everything extra, all the money that was extra, we spent it. God provided. We needed that because we actually under budgeted because we did not budget for the laptops and all the gift cards that were given away. So as the months were coming by, we got more creative ideas. So everything that came in is being used, guys. And God paid the bills through your generosity, through your faithfulness, through your giving. So we're going to close out this soul winning summer uh, building fun with a bang. October 30th is the last one. Brandon will be with us. But if you guys noticed, he did not join us for last week's event. You guys know that 
uh, the Youth Sunday was a part of the Soul Winning Summer, and all those months, Brandon was supposed to be with us, but we allowed him to stay back, kind of rest up, because he was sick for a little bit. So he will be making up for that month and being with us for an extra uh, blessing in November. So we, so the building month, the, the building fund is closing out. There's no more building fund for the Soul Winning Summer. We are done. So we want you guys to focus your giving. You could continue to give anything that is given towards the building fund through the end of the year will go into the general fund. But we do want to encourage you to keep giving now and focus a little bit more on the missions because we're coming up just a little bit short over the past two or three months. So let's just give with a bang to missions and God will meet the needs of the people around us. And the missions fund is not just for missionaries overseas in different churches or church plants that we support. It actually helps people here in our church, okay? People that need help with groceries or a little bit of rent or whatever it is. So the missions fund is a very important fund for MPI because we are a people that love to help our community and the people in this church and all over the world. So let's continue to be faithful, cheerful givers and give whatever God uh, has put on your heart to give through the end of the year for building and missions. Amen. So let's uh, recite this verse together. Philippians 4, 19. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your abundance in our lives, your abundant grace, your abundant provision, God. I ask, oh Lord, that you would bless the gift and the giver today. We thank you for the uh, soul-winning summer, the building fund that we've had. What an amazing, amazing time that we've had to preach the gospel, see lives change and transform, and all the monies that have come in because of the faithfulness of your people, your blessing in our life, God. So we know you're bringing the increases, you're bringing the raises, and many are still sacrificing, God, but it's being used for your glory. We want to see your kingdom come to this earth, so multiply it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Please come forward as you give, and we thank you so much for your generosity.
All right. How many are ready for Jesus in the church? Make some noise. Y'all going to learn about Jesus in the church today. I know it is a hard thing to follow up the youth Sunday. Uh, I may not uh, preach as good as Steve, but I got hair, so I will look better than Steve. They're supposed to say the old running joke in churches is supposed to be, what's the difference between the senior pastor and the youth pastor? And then you're supposed to say 20 pounds because the senior pastor is supposed to be bigger and overweight than the youth pastor. But I'm in better shape than that youth pastor right there. What's up? What's up? Gets you some of that, boy. Mm. <laughs> All right, got to razz them a little bit. Let's give it up again for Pastor Steve and the youth team. They did a great job. Thank you guys for being with us today. We're going to finish up our sermon series on spiritual disciplines. Everybody say church involvement. Thank you. I think today you are going to love it. And then next week, we are going to start on a whole brand new series on the Gospel of John. So I want to give everybody some homework. Start reading John chapter 1. Read John chapter 1 this week because next week, all the way through to the end of the year, we're going to go through that amazing, amazing Gospel. The Gospel of John is so powerful. You'll see so many things in the life of Jesus that you've never seen before. There's no way any of us, including me, the pastor, can come to the book of John, especially the Bible, just anywhere in the Bible, but the book of John and not be transformed to see Jesus in another way. He is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were made through Him. Nothing was made without Him that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That's just the first five verses of John. So do your homework this week and read the gospel of John. Let's get into this right here. Open up your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians if you have it. Uh, you have your Bible or your app. If you're new to church, you can get a Bible app for free. It's called the Bible app. Just look it up online and uh, you can follow along. Also, our notes are always on our website or Facebook page. Either way you go, mpichurch.org, you'll see it on the home page. Or if you go to Metro Praise International on Facebook, you'll see it there right now as well. And, and the giving lesson is there. The, uh, the YouTube videos are there. All these wonderful things so you guys can spread them around and uh, share some love. Does anybody check us out on Facebook? Anybody do that? Okay. And I just want to just say right now, if you notice I got a little bit of sniffles or a little congestion, it's because I do. And uh, the weather changed so rapidly on me. Am I the only one that got some sniffly whifflies? Anybody else get some sniffles? I was just like, okay, I'm not alone here. Now we all need to be healed. Lord, heal us in Jesus' name. But uh, I was having that window open. I was loving it until I woke up in the morning and had that sniffly whiffly. And then daughter had it too. Uh, my son has it. So uh, we need to pray for some healing. Just so if you hear me congested today. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. It's the last time you'll hear it in this sermon series. You've heard it roughly about 12 times. This will be your 13th time. Most of you probably could do it by memory. But let's look at the screen as I read. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run? But how many get the prize? One get the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. 
Thank you. The whole sermon series, Spiritual Discipline, is about learning to run in such a way as to get the prize. Let's look at verse 25. Everyone who competes in the games goes into what? Strict training. That's where we get the terminology, spiritual disciplines. I could have called the sermon series spiritual training. Do you all get that? I could have called it that, but I just went with spiritual disciplines because training involves discipline. And I wanted you to have that mindset, like I'm going to have to do something. There may be, be a little spiritual sweat here. I'm going to have to work it and twerk it, okay? They do it, and this is what they're talking. he's talking about here. These athletes do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last for how long? Forever. Everybody go forever. That's how long our crown will last. It doesn't matter who becomes president. Their presidency will not last. It doesn't matter how great America is and all the other countries of the world that want to be great. They will not last. Kings and kingdoms will pass away. But there is something about that name, the name of Jesus, that will endure forever. Okay? And so you want to be in that kingdom. You want to have your citizenship for that kingdom. And the crown is your green card, is your citizenship, is your birth certificate, whatever you would want to see it as. The crown is what God gives you on judgment day and says, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into my kingdom. So all kingdom citizens have a crown and it lasts forever. Verse 26, here's the application. Paul told you, don't you know when you look at these guys running, they're all running to get a prize and only one gets it. You better run to get uh, a prize, run in such a way as to win. And those who go into those games, those who want to win, they go into strict training, but they do it only for a crown that lasts for a certain time, but ours is for a crown that lasts forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running what? Aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. Thank you. So we do not run aimlessly. And you see that so often in Christianity. People go to church. They don't know what they believe. They don't know why they believe it. They don't know how to read their Bible. They don't know how to pray. When problems come into their life, all they know how to do is call up their best friend. They don't know how to talk to Jesus. And the thing that Paul is teaching us here is that you need to learn how to run in such a way as to win in Christianity. You need to know how to fight in such a way as to knock out the devil and knock out your flesh. And look at verse 27. No, I strike a blow to my what? My body and make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself may not be disqualified for the prize. And here where he says, I strike a blow to my body, that is a death blow. Jesus said, if anyone wants to come after me and be my disciple, they must first what? deny themselves, then take up their cross and follow me. So the blow that, that Paul's talking about striking to his body is that blow of self-denial and crucifixion, believing that I was crucified with Christ, and when he rised from the dead, I was given new life. How many have been born again today? If you have been born again by believing in Jesus, that means there's a new life on the inside of you. Your old life is dead. The life you now live, you live for Christ. So don't don't be living no walking dead life, okay? Don't be living your life for Jesus with all the nastiness of your flesh and the death of your sinful nature with you. Yes, you were born naughty by nature, but by the Holy Spirit, you've been born again by divine nature, amen? Put to death that zombie and live holy for Jesus Christ. Don't drag around that old stinking flesh, that old stinking thinking, that bad attitude, that drunk, that junk in the trunk. Get on with what God has for you. Step out of your 
past and into your future. Because anybody that's in Christ Jesus is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. And that's how we're supposed to live. I don't want to be disqualified for the prize. Amen? I don't want to be disqualified for my marriage. So I want to be faithful. I don't want to be disqualified from being a good dad to my children. So I want to be loving and kind. I don't want to be disqualified as your pastor. I want to be honest and a person of integrity. And I don't want to be disqualified in my relationship with Jesus. I want to run my race to the end. He brought me to salvation by faith alone, not by anything that I've done. And now the purpose that he set out before me is a race. And I like to think of it not only just as a race, but as a dance. You know, sometimes you see these unique ways of running marathons. Have you ever seen the one with the glow-in-the-dark sticks? They run the marathon at night. Or they have this one where they do with the obstacles. It's kind of like that funny show where they bounce around and there's like whipped cream or foam. No, you guys are not following with me? Uh, Carol did it. You know what I'm talking about. It was on TV and it's like an obstacle course. So they try to make this idea of you running from A to B fun, whether it's in the middle of the night, whether it's going through these obstacle courses that are not like the Spartans, but are like these fun ones, or, or just in a way where you're running with your friends and then you throw out these chalk uh, colors and you guys all become these different colors. Have you seen those? Okay. Now listen, I like to think about my race like that too. I like to think about it like I'm dancing with the divine. You know, like I'm dancing in the streets. You know, as I'm walking forward with Jesus on my race. Because to me, living for Jesus is not a struggle all the time. It is not always a burden. It is not always just sweat and gritting my teeth. Living for Jesus is a joy. Living for Jesus is fun. I'm telling you right now, my worst day as a Christian is better than my best day as a sinner. I'm telling you right now, I would rather go to my, because my worst day as a Christian was my sister's funeral. I would rather go to her funeral for a thousand days in a row and have Jesus in my heart than have the greatest escapade I thought of as a sinner, some MTV YouTube music video of what I wanted, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, whatever. I would rather listen to me go to a thousand funerals of my sister than to live that moment, want to have that, that experience for one moment. Why? Because when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I would rather walk through a funeral with my Lord and Savior being on my side than go into a party with the devil. Hello, somebody. You better get it in your heart today. I'm going with Jesus, though nobody else may follow. Come on. I'm following him. I would rather have Jesus with me and the world against me than have all the world with me and Jesus against me. You can take everything, just don't take Jesus because Jesus is everything to me. I don't want to get disqualified. I, I, I wish that if, they, you know, if there was a time machine and you could bring me all the way back to the first day I got saved or the first day I got saved, you bring it all the way fast forward. If I could meet the future or the past me, whatever way you would want to look at it, I would want to see a young man living for Jesus and on fire. And I would want the young man to come see this older man and say, you still got that fire, baby. Ain't no high like the most high. Give Jesus a try. Because I don't want to get old in my Christian faith. I don't want to get backslidden and lazy and complacent and be like, I used to worship with excitement. I used to like coming to church, but now I'm just, I'm just a normal Christian. You'll be like me one day. God have mercy. I don't ever want to be like you. If that's normal, I want to be abnormal. If loving Jesus is wrong, baby, I don't want to be right. 
I don't ever want to lose my first love for Jesus. Are you listening to me today? That is what we are here to do, to finish our race, to meet him one day face to face. And as he says to us, well done, good and faithful servant, and he puts that crown upon our head, we can look at him and go, I love you. It was worth it all. All the rejection, all the hardship, all the persecution, all the, the, the disrespect and all that people said about us and all that we gave up for Jesus. We can look him face to face and go, oh, it was worth it just to be in your presence. Amen. Are you all loving Jesus today? Here's what spiritual disciplines mean because we've been going through it all summer long. Now this is our last message. Let's knock it out right. Let's learn what it is for those who are visitors. Spiritual disciplines are the commands and practices a disciple show in their life to grow spiritually because they know God. Everybody say show, grow, and know. Thank you. Those are the ways that we've learned it. Spiritual discipline, our strict training, is the way that we show that we know God so that we can grow up spiritually. And if you want to grow up spiritually, you will know these things and do these things because you've got to grow up to what? Go up to a whole nother level. If you don't like where you are in life, you better grow up to go up. If you don't like the kind of people you date, and listen to me, young ladies, it's because you dating turkeys and chickens. You better grow up to go up to where eagles' nests are and find you a man that's like an eagle. Come on. Hello. See, you better grow up to go up. Some of y'all don't like your job. You busted and disgusted on your job. You better grow up to go up to another level on that job. Start your own company. Go back to school. Hello, somebody. Have some vision you got to grow up to go up to another level. Because if you don't grow up to go up, you're just going to make God throw up. You see, rich people that don't love God, that makes God throw up. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 3, verse 16, that these kind of people make him want to spit them out of his mouth. He, he says, because you're neither hot nor cold, you're lukewarm, I want to spit you out of my mouth. So I want to grow up so I can go up to another level. And here are those things that we learned, and uh, today we're on church involvement, the last one, and here's the, uh, the chart that we've looked at all throughout this sermon series. Remember, you're always saved by what you know. It's not by what you show. I'm not saved because I've read my Bible or done all of these great things. I am saved because of what Jesus did, and I know and believe that. November 5th, 1995, that's when I got saved. This November 5th, just in a month or so, I will have been saved 21 years. Praise God. It's all his, all his power and grace in my life. And so I got saved because of what I knew. I believed. I put my trust in Jesus. I didn't try to do the self-work uh, religion, uh, going to a self-help uh, class. And, you know, sometimes when I tell people my testimony, they go, well, that's good. You did a lot of good things for yourself. No, no, no. That's not how I got changed. It wasn't like I joined P90X for Christianity. It's not like I met with Father Tom for five weeks in a row and did five Hail Marys. You know, hello. It's not like I did community service here. It was one step to Jesus. Jesus, not 12 steps, baby. And that's how, in, that's how everybody is saved. Only sinners get saved, by the way. If you're self-righteous and you don't think you need to be saved, you never will be saved. If you think you're a kind of good person, you can get to heaven based on your good works, you'll never be saved. The only ones that Jesus saves are sinners. Like Pastor Steve was talking about last week, those who humble themselves under the mighty hand of God and go, I'm a sinner. I confess my sins. I can't save myself. I've fallen short of the glory of God. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross, were buried, rose again on the third 
third day so that I could be saved? Save me, Jesus. Make me new. That's the one who gets up off their knees a new creation. It's those who know Jesus is God and Savior. How many know that today? How many believe that you can be born again into the divine nature of God? How many believe that you can do all that God commanded you to do? Amen. That is a salvation message right there. That's what Jesus preached. That's what he told people. Believe in me, trust in me, and I'll change you, and then go out and do these things. If you ever argued with Jesus and said, well, Jesus, I don't think I can love my enemy because you don't know my enemy. My enemy's crazy. Then he would say, then you don't know me because I'm better than your enemy, and love conquers hate. Give me a try in your life. You see, so you had to believe it all together. You had to put this all together. In what, uh, you know, he put it all together in what we call the gospel. The gospel talks about who Jesus is, what he does in our lives, and then what he commands us to do. And when you say, I'm with that. I, I believe that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I believe that he transforms lives. And these commands are not suggestions, but they're things that he wants me to do, empowers me to do. You are saved. And can I get an Amen. Now, these are those spiritual disciplines, the showing, the showing that we've been saved. After you've been saved, if you were to summarize, listen to me, all the books of the Bible, all 66 books of the Bible, if you were to summarize them, 37 of the old and 29 of the new, this is what God expects us to do. We've learned these things, and I pray now that you will apply them to your life long after the sermon, okay? And what's cool about our church is that all of these are online, all the notes are online. All the videos are online. So let me just show you real quick how if you ever just want to just, you know, check them out, if you've missed some of the weeks, you just go to mpichurch.org. Here's the home page right here. You'll see that we have our main three things, Connect, Mentor, Send, our upcoming event, then recent sermons. This is where we're at right here. But you can look right there. Spiritual Disciplines is the sermon series. You click on it. There's also a way to do it right here from the menu. If you go to the menu and you go to sermons on our menu and then you go to videos and notes, it will take you there too. And you can pick the one that you want. And so here you go, spiritual disciplines. There are 12 of them and one of them was a part two. So there's technically 13 messages in these 12 spiritual disciplines. So have you missed any? You can go back and look at them. Did you miss Christian fellowship? Did you miss financial stewardship? Did you miss spiritual meditation? Let's say you missed, uh, you missed spiritual meditation and you want to go back and look at it here it is drop it like it's what hot right on your computer we got the video right there this handsome guy all the notes are there boom shaka laka look at your neighbor and say just do it just do it come on just do it don't make any excuses now, if you have learned from these, believe in these, and are applying these to your life, these spiritual disciplines, I want you to say amen. Bible reading, family order, scripture memorization soul journaling, praying and worshiping, discipleship and Christ-likeness, Christian service, public evangelism, spiritual meditation, financial stewardship, Christian fellowship. And are you ready for church involvement? Make some noise. Woo! Y'all did it. This was the whole summer. All we did was interrupt the series to do our soul-winning summer events, and I know those were off the chain, and now we are here completing it. You are amazing for showing up. Thank you. Now, when we know and we show what happens, we grow. 
We grow up in our Christianity. We grow up in our spiritual life. Things on the inside begin to reflect what God has done in us. On the outside, rather, things begin to reflect what God did did on us in the inside. Goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and gentleness. All are the results of reading your Bible and praying and going to church. Those are the things that happen when you obey God. How many have seen these things increase in your life? Have you seen goodness increase in your life as you've done the showing more, as you've done spiritual disciplines? How many have seen godliness increase in your life as you've prayed and worshiped? as you found yourself in a discipleship relationship? How many of you grew in love as you started to serve here at the church or in evangelism, right? How many have grown in patience and kindness and gentleness through your Christian fellowship and in your family order? Do you see how they're all connected? The knowing and showing equal the growing. Well, today we are going to talk about church involvement, the last one, last but definitely not least, and I have a great illustration at the end that I think will tie together, so let me keep your attention for the next few moments. The Bible uses the strongest and most intimate language when describing the church. Everybody say the church. In one place, the Bible calls the church the bride of Christ. In another place, the body of Christ. And then Jesus even called the church his mother, brothers, and sisters. Could Jesus have been more serious about how he cared about the church? He said, this is my bride. Now, all the married men here, can I get an amen if you love your bride? If someone was to come to your house, men, and say, I like you, but I hate her. Now, let's hang out. Are you hanging out with that person? No, you're not. You're saying you have disrespected even more than what I value about myself. You have disrespected my wife who I value more than myself. How many would say I love her more than even myself? You see, I serve my wife in a greater way than I even serve myself. And I know when I fail at it, don't get me wrong, I do feel convicted when I have my wife who homeschools five children as she's up all night long with my youngest, and I still ask her to prepare dinner sometimes, and I see her not being the most happy to do it. I understand I make mistakes at it, but here's the thing, here's the thing, I understand this, is that I better honor her and love her because she is to me my better half. Now think of this next example. Then Jesus says the church is my body. So it goes from being the church is my bride, my beloved, to actually being his body. Now, do you think there's anybody here that you would hang out with, you would have a friend if they came up to you and said, listen, I like your face and I like hanging out with you, but I'm going to be slapping your arms and your legs and putting bruises on you the entire time we go out today. Are you hanging out with that person? No. And here's what the Bible says. Christ is the head of the church, but the church is his body. And people love slapping the church, putting down the church, getting angry with the church. Now, is every church the kind of church that Jesus wants it to be? No. But you better be careful when you start messing with the church. When you start putting down the leadership of the church. Have you ever been a leader in a church? Have you ever been under the spotlights where the lights are on you and the heat is on? Have you ever been responsible for the things of God day in and day out? See, judge not lest ye be judged. For the same standards you judge others by, Jesus said, you will be judged. 
Even myself as a pastor, when I critique other pastors or I expose what goes on in our city, I do it with fear and trembling, knowing that if it was not for the grace of God, so would I go. Yes, I'll tell you there are pastors and leaders who manipulate and abuse and steal. But yes, my friends, there are great churches as well with great leaders. And so we need to respect the leadership. But remember, the body of Christ is not just the leadership. It's also people like you. So when people attack me on Facebook or see a video and they put me down, it's like they're putting all of you down. And I'm not saying we should all rise up and go storm their village and burn it down with pitchforks or whatever, though the thought has crossed my mind a time or two. You know, I kind of want to get this West Side Story thing going, like, oh, uh, y'all want to mess with me? I got a church behind me. Let's go. Rah! You know? But I probably would be by myself. Most of y'all would be like, you just handle that, Pastor. You get paid to do this. I ain't getting my hands dirty. And I'll be 100% honest with you. I've actually even experienced this. Ishmael is my witness over here. So we were at Baraboo, Wisconsin, which we like to call the boo. You know, the boo. Baraboo, Wisconsin, bring a little swag there. Is a place where you can go, and there's a lake, and there's a mountain, and there's a lot of these things because there's a Dells right there. And so we were hanging out there. And, you know, we got kind of like an urban church. You know, we got a lot of Latinos, a lot of gente, a lot of people that know how to hold it down, I guess, on their block. You know, they, they haven't always been. And saved, you know, people like Steve, you know what I'm talking about. People, you know, you're a little nervous to be around sometimes, but anyways, women hold their purse a little tighter sometimes when they come to MPI. They're like, oh, okay, you sit next to me, put my purse under here between my legs. No, but anyways, we were out at the boo, and there's this white family or friends playing on the volleyball court and they like owning the thing they're not sharing it and I have literally my friends come to me my Latino strong gente they're like pastor they won't let us play they won't let us play and so I walk over there and I'm like you listen here Steve I just called him Steve because I'm just like white people are like Steve or Ted you know so I just decided just to go with with Steve so I walk over I'm like Steve Come here, son. We are playing next. And I put the ball right down there. And then he got all mad because he didn't even know, first of all, how to respond to being called Steve. He's like, who are you calling Steve? Steve. You know, like he got all mad about it. And then all of a sudden, as God is my witness, Ishmael was there. I had about three or four of the hente with me. And by the time the ball went down, I called out Steve. And Steve came running up on me. It was like... They were gone. They were back at the barbecue. They were way over there. They let me by myself have to handle Steve. And I just looked at Ish, and I'm like, you ready to get it on? We'll take them all on. But they were hard when they were in the city, but they went out to the boo, and Steve intimidated them. But see, I'm ready to ride or die. Come on, somebody. MPI to the day I die. Whoa, MP. Okay. Amen. So that's how we do it. So when we think about the body of Christ, back to this, we're really thinking about something that God really cares about. You can't hang out with me and keep hitting my finger with a hammer, okay? And so I don't like it when anybody talks about the leadership of a church or the people of the church. You're not going to win me over if you're new to our church going like, Pastor, I love you so much. I hate this church over here. Because the moment you start hating on them, I'm like that old school way. Because what you say in front of me about others, you're going to say about me to others behind my back, you know? So my thing is this. I know there are churches that have problems, and some of that may be true. But let's come respecting all churches, at least the ones that preach the word of God. Amen? We, we'll just say, hey, that wasn't for us. 
God moved my family here. You know, there were some issues in the church. I'm praying for them. But as you know, we're not here to cause a scene, gossip, or division. Jesus loves the church, the body of Christ. And then he called it his mother, brothers, and sisters. And this will blow the Roman Catholic's mind right here because literally in Matthew chapter 12, 12 verse 50, we see that Jesus told everybody that I don't just have one mother. I have a lot of mothers. I have a lot of brothers. I have a lot of sisters because it's not about the one who just gave me birth, but it's about the one who does the will of God. Listen to what it says right here. Here's Jesus chilling, preaching, and that someone in verse 7 told him, hey man, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. And I know I can feel the pressure of that sometimes in the church. You know, when I have family around, they want my attention on a Sunday. I'm like, listen, man, y'all see me all throughout the week. I need to spend time with the people I don't see, right? And that's probably the attitude that Mary had right here. She's like, Jesus, you're busy all the time. You're not making wine for us anymore. You need to come back home and do some stuff around the house. Your brothers say you left the carpenter business. There ain't no, there ain't no work getting done anymore. Jesus, you're the only one that can get them together. I got to talk to you. Go, Hey, hey, you go tell Jesus. You go tell him that his mother out here and I got all his brothers and we need to talk to him and this is what Jesus said this is what Jesus said who is my mother who are my brothers pointing to his disciples he said here are my mother and my brothers for whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother come on somebody that's the Jesus that I love. Now I honor Mary. We honor Mary for what God did in her life. But we understand right here that all of us can have the same place in Jesus' life as Mary did. I don't need to pray to Mary to talk to Jesus. I talk to Jesus directly because I'm Jesus' brother. You are Jesus' sister. If you're an older woman, see, Jesus was only 33 years old. If you're at the age where you can have children that are in their 30s, you would be like a mother to Jesus. And there's nothing disrespectful to think about it that way because Jesus invited you into that close relationship. That's why Paul, when he starts addressing people in the church, when he's writing these letters, he's calling them brothers and sisters. And he says, you know, this one was like a mother to me. He mentions that. And he says, this one, he says, and to others, I've been like a father. All those roles of a family, Jesus, uh, Paul also said, are in the church. Now, that doesn't mean the church replaces your family. You should have your family and your church. But the Bible does tell us very clearly that if our family ever tries to replace the church, that we need to choose the church over Jesus. Does anybody want to see that? Nobody, because y'all get scared when it talks like that. <laughs> Better hate your mother and your father. You can't be my disciple. Thank you. Let's see it here in Luke 14, 25 through 26. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. Look here to the side. And Jesus turned to them and said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters and mother-in-laws, hallelujah, yes, even those, uh, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Why is that word hate used there? Because when family tries to take the place of God, you hate that. But the ideal is to have family and God.
So I will never turn my back on my child. But if my child turns their back on God, I cannot let them turn my heart and turn my back against God. I will hate that in them. Not the sinner, but the sin. Does everybody see that? We hate the sin, love the sinner. So if you have somebody in your life as close to you even as children or parents, and they say, don't you follow Jesus that way? Because if you do, we're not going to go with you. We'll disown you, which happens around the world, by the way. In Muslim countries, in Hindu countries, in African villages, many, many people get disowned by their families. That's why I always remember the persecuted church. This bracelet helps me to remember to pray for them. I have extras for free if you would like to wear one to remember to pray. People do suffer even by their family. Honor killings. There was a young lady that was murdered by her family, not just not just because they have sex and do these other things, but because they convert to Christianity. Sometimes even in Hindu uh, countries, they will burn their own relatives alive to hopefully burn out their evil so that in the next life, they'll start off a little bit better. They think they're doing them a favor, but that's how crazy the world can be. Are you listening to me? And even Jesus said, just so you don't think I'm making this up, um, your enemies can become members of your own family. Enemies in your own family. And some of you might be like, I already have that right now. I'm not even really serving God that much, and I already got enemies in my own family. But Jesus talked about this for the sake of loving him, that you would have enemies in your family. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 36, he says, For I have come, look here to the side again, verse 35 rather, For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. And then he goes on to say, Anyone who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And so Matthew explains even better, I think, than Luke, this concept of hate. Because the idea is the reason why you're not treating them the same as you would is because they're turning against you to try to have you turn against God. And where did we actually see this in human history? We saw this in Nazi Germany, where the children were taught in their schools to rat out their parents if they were a part of a Christian faith, if they were a part of something that was against the Nazi regime. The children would turn on each other. Wives would turn on their husbands. God have mercy. I'm going to live for Jesus if nobody else does, but I want to live for Jesus with a lot of other people. Anybody else with me? I want to live for Jesus with my wife. I don't want to hate her. I want to live for Jesus with my kids, and I want you to live for Jesus with your mom and dad, and if they don't live for Jesus, keep praying for them, treating them with respect. Let me just tell all the young people here, the best way you can be a witness to your mom and dad is listening to what they say and doing well in school, okay? You don't come home, tell your mom, because she prays to the mother of Guadalupe, she's going to go to hell, and now you know more than her. That is not going to help your mother come to know Jesus Christ. Show her by your obedience and your good grades, and then she'll be like, dear God, what happened in your life? You're actually doing stuff around the house that I've asked you to do. And you'll be like, Jesus changed my life. And here's how the Bible talks about worshiping Jesus without statues and priests and dark closets. Hello. And we'll talk a little bit about that, but uh, this is just the introduction. Everybody say it's just the intro. Okay, let me continue on here with the introduction. Second paragraph of the introduction. The only thing that Jesus personally said he would build and the gates of hell would not prevail against is the church. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Now I have two extra scriptures here next to the Matthew 16, 18 for our Roman Catholic friends. 
My dad was raised Catholic. My grandma and grandpa were Catholic. My uncles are still Catholic. How many of you have Catholic family members and close friends? Most of all of us here. We love them. We believe that God can save them. Some of them may even be saved right now and just need help to understand some of the things that they're not feeling comfortable with. But I put there next to Matthew 16, 18, 1 Peter 2, 4 through 10, and 1 Peter 5, verses 1 through 4, because in that verse of Matthew, Jesus says, to you, Peter, I will build my church. And then what many people think is that is the Pope. That is not true. You'll never see the Pope anywhere in the Bible. And Peter himself did not consider himself a Pope. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, he says, we are all equally the living stones of God being built up as his holy temple in the church, and Jesus alone alone is the cornerstone. And then in 1 Peter chapter 5, where once again uh, Steve preached from last week about humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, Peter says, I am an elder like the elders among you. So Peter never chose rank or acted differently than any of the other people in the Bible. And then in the book of Acts, where we get the Acts of the Apostles, it actually wasn't Peter in charge of the first church. You can see this in the book of Acts. It was James, Jesus's half-brother, because Mary did have other children. James was actually in charge of the church, and you can read through that more. So I wanted you to have a little bit of ammo there if somebody goes, see, it's all about the church, and that means we go back to the Roman Catholic Church. No, 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 no. Peter wasn't the first pope. All of the things you see in Roman Catholicism today, the cathedrals, the bells, and the smells, none of that was there until around the 6th, 7th century. Everything you do here now was seen then at the early church. All of the disciples made disciples just like this. They dressed casually, no, uh, no funny hats. I don't mean to be rude. You know, no uh, purple dresses, you know, but we call them robes, whatever, with frills and gold medallions. None of that. Just normal people, okay? And then there was no bells and smells. It was... It was literally, you can read about in the book of Acts, they sang songs to Jesus, they heard about the word of God, they prayed for each other, and they went out and did good works. That's basically it. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 and onward. So what happened over time is people took ideas from paganism and adopted it into Christianity and made a new form of Christianity called Roman Catholicism. But at a time in history, Christians broke away from Roman Catholicism. That was called the Protestant Reformation around the 16th century. We said, man, we just are going to live by the Bible. We're done living by what the Pope says and all of these Vatican councils. And, and by the way, at that time, they had the Bible in Latin, and people were speaking German. Nobody even spoke Latin except the priests, and some of our guys, like William Tyndale, actually put the Bible into English, into German, into modern-day language. You know what they did? They burned them alive. Roman Catholic priests burned them alive, okay? So Christians were persecuted by the Roman Catholic Church, and they also persecuted the Jewish people, and they also persecuted the Muslims as well as the Muslims persecuting them. So when you talk about the Crusades... You're not talking about Christians like us going to fight against Muslims. You're talking about an empire, the Roman Catholic Empire, fighting another empire, the Islamic Empire. And most of the Christians like us were going, this is crazy. We don't want to be a part of any of this. And that's why we came and founded America. Some of you all get it twisted. It wasn't Christopher Columbus. The Spanish were in South America. You all know some of this, right? They were the one conquistador and all the way through uh, Central South America. It was the pill 
pilgrims landing on Plymouth Rock. Who were the pilgrims? The pilgrims were anti-church establishment and government people. They were Christians, and they said, we don't like that the church controls the state, the Church of England, or the Roman Catholic Church sending out armies. We want to have a democracy where there's freedom of religion, and they came here and settled. Can I get an amen for that? You'll learn a little bit more about that when it comes to our God in Politics uh, service. We're going to have that in November. We're going to announce that in October. It's already on Facebook. Look it up, God in Politics. That's going to be a fun service. We're going to let everybody share their opinions, but that's going to be fun. And we love, what I mean by fun is controversial. That's what I mean by fun. Uh, the Bible declares that Jesus is the cornerstone and the foundation of the church. That is why the author of Hebrews said that we should never forsake the church and always gather together as often as we can. Can everybody turn to Hebrews 10.25, please? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Look at what it says. Let's start in verse 24. The author of Hebrews says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. When you think of spur... You think of something like a horse getting spurred on the side, right? And that's really what it means there. So every now and then, if somebody has to give you a little uh, Holy Ghost push or a little motivation, don't take that the wrong way. We shouldn't falsely judge each other and be severe to each other. But every now and then, and I say this just to dudes, we should be able to spur each other on with the holy slap on the butt and be like, get out there and live for Jesus, son. Go make a touchdown for Jesus. Now, girls, y'all just do the high fives, okay? Okay? Because it just wouldn't look right, girls, doing in church some guys would like it too much okay but I'm just thinking we're not making girls stumble by slapping each other on each other's backside but if we do make you stumble by doing that and gives you the wrong signal we'll just do it in private which then makes it even more weirder because it's like is anybody here no nobody's here okay okay but that's literally what it means. And the spur, if you do it right, those of you who have been on horses and people who have spurs and love horses, you're not, you're not, you're not breaking skin. You're not, you're not, you're not hurting it. You're, you're just letting the horse know it's time to giddy up and go. Let us consider how we can spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting what? Together as some are in the habit of doing. You see, even back then, people were missing time to get together and celebrate Jesus on Sundays, as some are in the habit of doing. But encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, everybody get this. Why do we go to church on Sunday and the Jews used to go there on Saturday? Sunday is the day Jesus resurrected from the dead. This is the day we celebrate his resurrection. And we do this as a taste, literally a taste of heaven. When we are here, we are doing what they're doing up there. We are literally answering the prayer of the Our Father. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? On earth. In earth as it is where? In heaven. What are they doing in heaven? Worshiping. What are they doing there? Hearing the word of God. What are they doing there? Loving each other. When we come together on the Lord's day every week, we are getting ready for the day when Jesus comes and changes the world. Isn't that awesome? So don't give up coming to church, okay? Now, let me just say here in closing, I'll make my message a lot shorter than my introduction. There are seven powerful stats that you all need to know about church. And this will blow your mind because it really changed my perspective. Because a lot of times I'm hearing pastors put down the church. I've even had pastors say this before. Uh, let me just prep you for this. Pastors don't always like their people either. I'm just going to be real brutally honest with you. I remember going to seminary and sitting down with the pastor. And the guy looked at me and he's like, I don't even like the people. 
I'm like, why are you there? He said, I'm there so that I can get to the next bigger church. He literally told me that. I have been out with traveling evangelists and singers, not Brandon or anybody we bring here to this uh, podium, but those in like places, those that are guest speakers and traveling, I have had them literally look at the people in this congregation just like they're a dollar bill. Just like, you know, like when, uh, uh, like in the cartoons, when one of them gets really hungry, all of a sudden that their friend turns into like a turkey or a ham leg, you know what I'm saying, a ham hawk or something. You know, literally, they just look at you as dollar bill, dollar bill, dollar bill. And they, I remember getting into an argument one time about with a traveling evangelist. He said, why was your offering for me so low? I said, first of all, bro, I don't even appreciate you coming at me like that. I said, listen, we are going through a tough time. It's called the recession. And I said, they gave you the best they could. He said, well, I think you should teach them how to give more. This is literally what he had told me. And I said, this is the last time you're preaching here. Because if you don't understand our people and how to live by faith from the financial world, I'm not going to bring you back. Okay, I understand that. But let me say this. This one goes even further than that. I've even had pastors, pastors tell me this. The church sometimes acts like my mom and does well for me, takes care of me, and other times she acts like a whore. She is both my mother and she's a whore. It is not only something that some pastors have said, it's actually in some of their theology books. Quote that on Google and you'll see the people that said it back in the day. The church is my mother, but she's also, my, uh, also a whore. So it's like basically your mom's a prostitute. You love her for being your mom, but she'd be prostituting all the time. That is never the impression of Jesus in the church. That is never the impression. It's his bride. It's his body. It's his mother, brothers, and sisters. It's the house that he's building where he is the cornerstone. Now, some of you may say, well, what about this person who acts this way? Or what about even the pastor who acts that way and talks that way about the church? You see, you could be in this building of brick and stone, but not be in the church of the Spirit here. You see, because you could tear down the building here, and we still got a church because we got people, two or three, gathered together in the name of Jesus. And he said, there I'll be in the midst of you. That's the church he's building right okay so what i'm trying to say is the church has never been a whore people have been in the church and have acted crazy and have sinned and have backslid and have done crazy wicked things but the church is always spotless the church is always on fire for jesus there's always a remnant there's always a percentage that are in the midst of the mess proclaiming the true church and so jesus's body is always pure and blameless Jesus' bride. Look at what the Bible says. The Bible says the bride is spotless. Okay, so now listen to what happens when you're a part of a church like that. If you attend a church like this two or one or two times a week, you live a longer life. You will live 33% longer. They did, a, they did this. this. I don't even have, these are not, I only think I have one Christian resource. The rest of these are literally from secular resources. Um, this one right here, just to give you an example, if you click, click on these links, this one is from CNN. Going to church could help you live longer, study says. Are you guys getting this with me? Okay, so this isn't just some pastor trying to get you to come to church more. This is actual stats and facts. If you come to church, you will have a lower divorce rate by 20%. 
You hear that in the church, the divorce rate is the same in the world. That's not true when you get to the churches like you're a part of right here. They interviewed one pastor of a good church like this. He had married about 157 couples that he had stayed in touch with over the 25, 30 years he was a pastor. And he had only documented about two of them that had a divorce. I'm telling you, it's real. Have less mental problems. Depression and anxiety is healed when you are around healthy people and healthy relationships. Commit less crime and do less drugs. It needs to say less drugs. <laughs> nah, man, I'm just, I'm just loving Jesus and church. No, commit less crimes and do less drugs. I will fix that for the second service. They actually do better in school. This is true. This is actually true. They started to do the surveys of the children who went with their parents consistently to church. They did better. Now, let me say this. Some of you say, well, maybe it's just the social construct. Maybe you don't believe in God and just go, well, as, as animals, we do better when we're together. No. Clubs, atheist clubs, or other kinds of clubs do not have the same kind of results. This is not just a club. This is a place of transformation. Smoke and drink less and have literally better sex lives. They did a study of women. They did a study of women and the big O. We'll just leave it there and ask them, how many of y'all experienced the big O? And more women experienced the big O who went to church than those who didn't. So you see all this Kim Kardashian nastiness. You see all of these menage a trois, threesomes, and hookups, and you think that's going to produce a more fulfilled sex life. And they have found out that the one who is in a, 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 a single, I mean, in a, a marriage that is committed one to each other, they have more big O's. We'll just call it like that. Amen. We'll just say it like that. They're more satisfied. I had to put that there. Just so you all know, the church will bless you. The church will bless you. Your man will learn how to treat you right, ladies, because you know. Let me just go a little further on this. I might get in trouble, but I'll go just a little further. <laughs> you know that sex starts for women not in the bedroom but in the kitchen. It's an emotional thing that happens in the woman's life that allows her to experience that in her sex life. And so a Christian man who knows how to treat mama right all throughout the day will have that blessed experience at night. Amen? All right, let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. Real quick in closing, let's get Vinny Barbarino up here on the keys, please. 1 Timothy 3.15, Paul said, If I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household. God's household. Everybody say God's house. So whose house is this? God's house, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. So while I know that the church is spotless and blameless and loved by Jesus, I know that we don't always lift up the truth and the culture the way we should. I'm not going to say we are a whore, but I will say sometimes we are too bashful. We are too ashamed and, and, and shy. We need to learn to start shining as the light that Jesus made us to be. See, I'm going to speak very personal to you here about this example. And it just doesn't set right in my vocabulary, but I will say it. When my daughter is shy with a man, that's because she's not confident yet in who she is. I don't want her to be a whore. Hello, somebody. 
where she pulls tricks for money and has no integrity. But I want her to be able to shake your hand, look you in the eye, and speak to you face to face. Jesus doesn't want the church to compromise, lift up its dress, and try to be friends with Hollywood, try to be friends with every entertainer. No, but Jesus wants the church to care enough to go out and meet the world where they're at, into their art, into their business, and say, we are here to be pillars and foundation of the truth. I've been called to be the light of the world. I'm going to get my shine on, baby. So there's a difference between being shy and afraid and being bold. And God wants you to start to be bold and know who you are. The definition of the church in the Greek is ekklesia. It means the called out ones who gather together. That's literally what it means. Ek means called out. And ones, lesia, coming together. We're not who we used to be. We've come out from our past. We've come out from the world. We may be in the world but not of the world. And we gather together to love Jesus, to make him known. Our main purpose is to make disciples that make disciples that spread the word throughout the nations. There's two main expressions of the church. The first one is the universal church. That means when Jesus looks down upon this planet today of 7 billion people, he knows who are his. That's the big capital C church. But then there are the local churches, that church that you're a part of, that home Bible study, that life group that you go to, where somebody knows your name and you have a place to serve. Now, what is the definition or the things needed for a good church? It needs to have sound doctrine. That means the doctrines need to be right. Biblical offices, and you'll learn what those are in just a minute. They need to do baptism and communion. Church discipline, because you can't let the church run crazy. And biblical fruit and its disciples. That means the disciples look like the first disciples. What are the two main offices in the church? Elders and deacons. Now, some of you get confused with this, but look it up in the Bible. Everybody that serves in the church has to either be an elder or a deacon. The elder means the ones in charge. The deacons means the ones serving with the ones in charge. Now, you say, where do those other titles come from, like pastors, evangelists? Those are called the gifts of the church. Now in our culture, we have flipped it around. Everybody knows me by my gift and not by my office. I'm an elder by office, but my gift is a pastor. Jared is an elder, but his gift is a teacher. Do you all get that? We are known by our offices, the positions that we hold. They come with requirements. Read 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 12. And the Bible says you can set your heart on being this. There's always room for more. And then the gifts that we do are apostles, are those elders or deacons that go and start churches. The prophets are the elders and deacons who have the words from the Lord that speak from his heart. The evangelists are the elders and deacons who go out and win the souls. The pastors are the elders and deacons who, who lead and shepherd the church. The word pastor in, in Spanish, pastor means what? Shepherd. It's very similar in the Greek. It's a shepherd. And the teachers are the elders and deacons who teach the church. What is the difference between discipleship versus membership? Everybody say, we do discipleship, baby. Membership was a worldly concept that churches began to adopt about the last 50 years. And it's just like, hey, are you a member at Export? Are you a member? It was their way of trying to get you to commit to do something. But membership is a modern way of getting you to join the church. Discipleship is what Jesus based his church on. So if you want to be a part of our church, be a disciple. Join the 101. We track with you. We know who you are. We just did our numbers for September. We have 143 disciples up into Thug Dissel. Let's give it up for Jesus. Amen. God bless you. So membership, there is no like, I'm going to be a member. No, be a disciple. 
well, what if I don't want to be in Metro Praise anymore? Stop being a disciple here. That's how we'll know. You see, you see how simple that is? Because you could have members that aren't disciples, and it's crazy how that works in the world, but that ain't happening here. We want disciples to be a part of what make the decisions. We want, be, we want the church to be able to know that it's based on the word of God, not like you got a lot of money or you got the click, you in the right friendship. That ain't the way we're going to do it. So how do you get involved? It's real simple. You've heard the announcement today, right? How many heard the announcement? How many have heard it before? Do you know that we have somebody here that was in the first service of March 2005, Salvador? Would you stand up? Let's give it up for you. He's been with us the longest. Thank you, sir. Salvador, when you came to the very first service, the graphic didn't look the same. But was it the same about loving God, loving people? Connect, mentor, send? Amen. We've been doing it all these years. We're going to keep doing it. So here's how you get connected. Join a life group. You just saw the video. Find one that works for you. Then get into our discipleship program. One-on-one -on -one is the 101 where you get to know somebody. How many people think that's cool, man? You don't have to be like, I got to get a hold of the pastor. Well, I got to talk to somebody. We want somebody to be in your life. That's what we guarantee you. Imagine if every gym promised you free uh, training. Every gym. That's what we promise you. Even You don't have to give nothing. Our people will serve you. And then the 201 is the class you get trained to recycle that out. Because we are disciples that make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. It's like Amway for Jesus. Amen? And then the send. Everybody go, Hyunkin! It's like an old Street Fighter game. We send you out to change the world. Now i got to show you this video illustration. Can we dim the lights, please? And Vinny, would you turn it down just for a moment here? I have watched this video twice and cried each time. I'm kind of like Snuffleupagus with crying. I don't know if anybody remembers Snuffleupagus. I, if you are with me, you hear me talk about crying all the time, but you've probably hardly ever seen me cry. Because I usually don't cry around people when I have a microphone. It's like this thing in my mind, like I'm speaking to you, I'm supposed to do stuff. But when I watched this twice by myself, I cried both times. It is such a powerful example. We're ending our sermon series. Please turn off the white lights as well. Just black me out, please. What this is, you're going to see here, is two brothers who are running a race. The one brother begins to pass out and forget where he's at. They are running a triathlon. What you're going to see is what the brother does for his brother. In the middle of a triathlon race, these guys are professionals. And as you watch this, we're summarizing the whole sermon series now, Spiritual Disciplines. I want you to think about what the church is in this world to do. I want you to think about what the church is in this world to do. Because many of us, come on, we, we think we love Jesus and we're all good. And we don't think we need to be a part of the church. We don't need to do discipleship. We don't need to get involved. We're just going to come on Sundays. And Jesus says, that's not what I called you to do. I called you to get involved in this. Even if you don't always agree. Even if it makes you want to humble yourself. Even if it makes a sacrifice. But I want you to do this because the world needs your help. And some of you will say, well, I'll help Jesus. I'll help without being a part of the church. And then I say, shame on you. Because Jesus never designed it to be that way. Jesus said, I will build my church. Not a community center. I love community centers. But he said, I will build my church. 
He said, not that I'll build a government. No, I will build my church. Because why? If the church is right, the community center will be right. If the church is right, the family will be right. If the church is right, your business will be right. You build the church first. You seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Would you watch this video? I need a little bit of sound, please. And think about the church as we get ready to close out. That would be incredible if Johnny Brownlee can... He, he oh, is in trouble. Look, look at, at him. This. this is unbelievable jo Johnny drama. Brownlee, I think he might have just fallen. He is in massive trouble. Who would have thought that Johnny Brownlee... He is 400 meters from the finishing line and he does not know where he's at. Johnny Brownlee may not make the finishing line. He's looking over his shoulder. He is desperately in trouble. Just get him some fluid here. He cannot be helped. I, I don't think I've ever seen this. Let's see if Alistair stops. Johnny Brownlee is no. not going to finish this race. Alistair's come, come, come. He's got him. This I have never seen this before. Henry Schoolman is going to win this race because Alistair Brownlee has stopped for his brother. I don't even know if that is allowed. I, you know this what? is incredible. I, I don't think he cares if it's allowed uh, or not. That is the most incredible thing I have ever seen in a triathlon. Alistair Brownlee is trying to get his brother across the line. Henry Schoeman is going to win this race. That is the most ridiculous thing. You would have thought that Johnny Brownlee had it in the bag. Henry Schoeman is onto the blue carpet. The two Brownleys are coming with less than 150 meters to go. They could get caught from behind because it is not that big of a gap. Taking the flag right now. He can't even hold himself up a little and take the flag. Here comes Richard Murray around the corner. This is the most ridiculous grand blue carpet in just a few seconds. This is absolutely insane. Here comes Richard Murray. The two Brownleys are trying desperately to get across the line. Oh my God, Johnny Brownlee in second. It'll be third across the line, Alistair Brownlee, and then can Mario Mola be fourth? That is the most insane last few meters. Please show me the path pictures. Yeah, well, uh, obviously it was a, quite a good race. It was going almost perfectly. And then uh, I saw my brother waddling in front of me the, the very obvious signs of uh, overheating and uh, yeah, I, I knew I had to help him to the finish line, really, to obviously to through his position, but also if anyone's that in position, I would have helped him across the finish line to get medical uh, help as quickly as possible. For that guy helping his brother. Thank you. I want you to think about this. We learned in the sermon series that we are not to run aimlessly, that we are to finish our race. My friends, you need the church to help you to finish your race. You will face situations in your life where you will get tired. You will get discouraged. You will not know where you are at. You will feel like there is nobody around you. Nobody cares. And it will be the church that comes alongside of you and picks you up and says, let's run. And will push you ahead so you can finish. My friends, don't you get it twisted today. I wasn't born a pastor. I have been influenced by the church from my family who got saved because of the church. I was raised in Sunday school because of the church, not from pastors, but because my parents would bring me. And when I backslid, it was the church that prayed with my mother for me to come back. When I got saved at 18 years old, I went into church. Women were having tears coming down their eyes, and they said, Joe, I prayed for you. I prayed for you with your mom at these altars. 
Hallelujah. Listen to me, my friend. It's the church that reaches out to a hurting and dying world. It's the church in the middle of the night when I was afraid as a drug addict just got saved. It was the church, that man that answered that call and said, come over to my house, spend the night with me. It was the church that gave me a Bible college to go to. It was the church that invited me into their home and taught me about Jesus and raising their children right. It was the church. The church has done so much for me. Church saved my family, brought me back to Christ, gave me a purpose. My friends, I just want to give back to this world what the church has done for me. That's what I want to be as a pastor. I want to be that man that comes alongside of another. And as Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. I want to be that person that says, like Jesus, let's go. Let's go through life. It was the church, not my worldly friends, but my best friends that I had in church that went to my sister's funeral with me and not just patted me on the back and said things will get better, but were on their knees with me weeping and praying. It was the church when I was discouraged as a Christian and didn't know what to do. It was that person that I talked to and I said, I don't know what to do. I moved to Chicago. Things aren't working out. It was the brother from the church that said, Joe, just plant a new church there. It was the church that taught me how to have a marriage. One pastor told me, he said, mature Christians make a mature marriage because I was so afraid to ever get married because I had never been in a relationship longer than a month. But it was the church that showed me how to be a husband. It was the church that showed me how to be a father. Where do you learn the things of God if not from the church? So people who say, oh, I love God, but I don't love the church. You don't know the church like I do. Yes, I've been hurt by people in the church, but the church of Jesus has never hurt me. Yes, I've seen those things go wrong, but the church has always been awesome. Listen to what Revelation 22, 17 says. The spirit and the bride. The bride is another word for church. The spirit and the bride say come. And let the one who hears say come. And let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life, let them come. Let me ask you, where is the voice of the spirit? It's in the church. Right college tomorrow from 1.30 to 2.30, the voice of the Spirit will call out to teenagers and young adults on that college campus through the church. Wednesday, when we pick up 15 kids from the west side every week, some of them now are teenagers, young adults. Some of them are getting ready to graduate high school. Who is the one that reached out? Did Jesus send the angel Gabriel to them? No, he sent the church. And then inside the body of the church, the Spirit said, Come! If you're thirsty, come! There is a river of living water for you. And Jesus is asking you today, Do you want to be in that church? Do you want to be that voice to your family, to your friends, to the community? Do you want to run alongside people? That's what the church means to me. Would you stand and give Jesus a hand clap for the church bigger than Metro Praise? Come on. Don't just do it for Metro Praise. Don't just do it. Come on for here. Do it for the church.
Jesus. Come on, a few more moments. How many love the bride of Christ? Come on, give it up for the bride of Christ today. Where would you be at if it wasn't for the church? We love you, Lord. This church belongs to Jesus. Would you raise up your hands in a sign of surrender and to say, Jesus, here I am. Use me in your church. Use me in your church. Right now as the altar workers and band come, right now would you pray for Jesus to use you? If you have not yet been saved or born again, ask the Lord right now to save you. All you have to do to be saved is believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Confess your sins, and you will be saved. Come on, use me in the church. Those of you who need to ask Jesus in your heart, pray that prayer right now of repentance. Just start naming off your sins, the naughty things you've done. Ask Jesus to forgive you and the rest of us right now. Let's raise up our hands. Come on, and start asking God right now to use us in the church. What life group do you want me to join, Jesus? You want me to join the youth ministry, help out with these young adults? You want me to join the single moms? Come on, the marriage life group? Where do you want me to be? We're reaching out to the gangs, to the kids, King's Kids on Wednesday. Those of you who have not yet started 101 and 201, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Join the church. Join the church. Do it God's way. Watch what he'll do in your life. You will live longer. Your family will be blessed. Jesus, few more moments. Use me, Lord. Use me, God. I seek first your kingdom. I seek first your kingdom. Whoa! Jesus. Jesus. We're going to pray for a few moments, then dismiss. Thank you for your patience today. Jesus, use us. Hallelujah. Jesus. If you have spoke bad about the church, maybe not even just this church, just repent and say, God, you fix it. It belongs to you anyways. Get rid of any bitterness. Get rid of any uh, anger. Forgive. Forgive. Sometimes pastors are hurting people too. That's why they hurt people. But let's start today with a clean slate. This church was started so that people could come just like you. Most of our church is made up of people who never belonged to a church like this before. It's a new thing. It's a new beginning, not only for you, but for others around you. We can make a difference in this world. Jesus. Would you look up at me, please, in closing? Thank you for your patience. We always close out with prayer because the church loves to pray for you. We always close out this way. Why? So you can know somebody. So you don't go through this alone. But I want to ask that the first group that would come and get prayer today, if you're someone here and you're right on the borderline to committing to discipleship here, 
and you just know there's been things hindering you, issues in your life, and you really want to start it, I'm going to ask that you would come up in just a moment, women with women, men with men, and find somebody and say, man, disciple me, bro. Disciple me, sister, because all these people up here can do it literally starting right now today. Some of them can do it right now after the service, go out to lunch, bam. Let them help you because this is what God said the church does. I didn't get to read all the scriptures, and I'm not going to keep you too long, but you know what the Bible says? Where two or three are gathered together, there he is. Every time you do those one-on-ones, let me tell you people, God is there. Every time you guys go out witnessing, some of our people go out witnessing in small groups, my group on Mondays, or a small group, but God is there. He's going to bless you. It's going to change your life. One of the greatest testimonies that I love is Cynthia Rodon. I want to have her pray for us. And then anyone who has a need, come and let them pray for you. Anything, sickness, healing, starting school, maybe some things going on in your finances, anything, we'll pray. But I love Cynthia Rodon because she's one of those that came to our church without experience from another church. She never was like born and raised in a church like this. Right, sister? Right. This was all new to her, like many of you here. But yet she got in so quick she dove in she went for it and God has used her as such a mighty woman of God and not only is her family here and all these wonderful things but just last week she said I'm going to meet with one of my friends she's telling me that she's looking for a church but I bought her a discipleship book and I'm going to put it on the coffee table wherever they were at she said I'm going to give it to her and say whatever you do do this But she said, I don't know if other churches do it, but I'll tell you what, if you want this, I'll do this now. And she said, God began to move in her heart, and this woman wants to be discipled. So here's the thing, friends. God can use you no matter who you are. You just got to be willing to reach out. Would you pray for us before we go? Father God, I thank you, Lord, for this service. I thank you, Lord, for all the lives that you are changing, Lord. I pray, Lord God, that everyone that you are tugging on, Father God, that they respond and answer to you, Lord. I pray, Lord God, that they run up to this altar, Father God, so that your life transformation can begin in their lives, Lord. I thank you in advance for what you're about to do, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you for coming. Slap your neighbor high five and say, be the church. God bless you. Have a great week. We're going to worship and hang out. Come up for prayer if you would like to. Thank you and God bless you. We're more than a building. It's more than a place. It's a body of believers. Saved by the We're more than a building. More than a place. God bless those who are leaving. And God bless those who hang out today. Either way, we're the church. We are the church. It's more than a place. It's a body of believers. Church. Oh, I am the church. I am the church. We're more than a building.
body of believers saved by the grace there's more than a building more than a place the body of believers saved by the grace I am the church oh I am the church Bless your people today, God. Bless your people, Lord. Oh, I've never been to heaven than I am right now. I've never been closer to more than a building we're more than a place a body of believers saved by grace more than a building more than a place a body of believers saved by grace more than a building Ishmael, I know that you're one of the few that have seen some of your co-workers come to church. Would you just pray for co-workers and lost family members? Heavenly Father, Lord, your word doesn't return void. Every prayer we pray over our co-workers, every time we preach the gospel over them, every time, Lord God, we, we lift them up to the throne room of grace through prayer, God, Lord, it moves you. It moves you, God, because you love them. You care for them. Lord God, give us a heart 
for those around us in our everyday. Give us a heart for those around us in the mundane, God. When we clock in, when we clock out, Lord God, let every day, every moment be seen, Lord God, as a mission field. Every moment be seen, God, as an opportunity to fulfill the great commission to go out and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything you have commanded, because surely you will be with us always and to the very end of the age, God. You still make that promise, God. Lord, and you wish that no man would perish, but that all would come to the knowledge of repentance. Lord God, you love them, Lord. Give us a heart. Give us a heart for those around us, God. Lord God, I pray we don't see our co-workers as just people we see every day, Lord. I pray we see the very image of God in them, that we can preach the gospel to them, Lord God, that you want to snatch them from hell. Use us, Lord. Use us, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Monique, I know you just had your first baby daughter, beautiful Zoe. Would you pray for all of us as parents that our children will always be in the church? Lord, I thank you for every parent that is here, Lord God, raising their children up in your ways, Lord God. And I just ask, Lord, that uh, you would help every parent in this place to continue to walk in your ways and walk according to your word that everyone here would uh, continue to raise their children to know you, Lord God, that we would all uh, be strengthened by you to do the impossible, Lord, even when we're tired, even when we have so many things to do, Lord God. I pray that we would not forget you, that we would put you first, and that is how we'll be able to lead our families in your ways, Lord God. I pray for all the parents that are tired, Lord, that, that are weary, that have many children, Lord God, or that are having a hard time. I pray for your divine help, for your divine strength, and for your divine protection. For parents that have sick children or who are sick themselves, Lord God, I ask for healing, Lord. And I pray for your hand to be over every person raising children in this place. In Jesus' name. Thank you. We're going to keep worshiping, but have a great week. Be the church.
Be a 
second service team, please come to the sanctuary for a team talk. Second service team, please meet in the sanctuary for a team talk and please take up the first two rows. Thank you.